Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, U.S. Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan. John, I won money, actual money, betting on the New York Mets this week. Oh, am, am I your new hero, or are you embarrassed to know me? Uh, Mets, that is that is rough in 2018. Uh, I think I have the names of some good counselors for you, Eric. I'll help you out. Uh, I actually won some real money myself uh, this week and learned that I'm actually a hedger. And by that, I mean that um, I've mentioned I play in a 32-week PGA Tour golf pool. And you know, right. it's late in the season, and I was a strong fourth out of 13 entering the PGA Championship. But uh, basically, there's usually one player that a lot of your rivals have, and you don't have them. So if that guy wins, you're, you're really taking a, a beating that week. And for the PGA Championship, my nightmare winner was Brooks Kepka. <laughs> uh, and after watching him play on Saturday, I was just convinced there's no way he's going to lose. So being in New Jersey, you know, I can log on to my DraftKings Sportsbook account. And I saw Kepka was at six to one odds uh, to win on Sunday. So uh, I rooted against him, but I settled for cashing my ticket when he won anyway. <laughs> All right. That's smart. Smart. Take that. Take the hedge so that one way or another, something pans out for you. Right. Cool. Uh, and by the way, uh, in case uh, anyone's confused, uh, my co-host, John Brennan, isn't that John Brennan. Uh, John, you still have your White House security access, right? Uh, that uh, remains unchanged. Yeah. I uh, mentioned last night uh, on Twitter that there's a, a lot of eerie similarities. Uh, he was born in North Bergen, New Jersey, and I was born in Bergen County, New Jersey. Um, I'm Bergen Brennan on Twitter. Um, I even know Donald Trump. I've interviewed him many times. I've been to the Trump Tower. Um, but but no, I'm not the guy whose security clearance was changed. <laughs> right. Big, big week for John Brennan in the news, just not yes. the John Brennan I'm talking to right now. Right. All right. So thanks to everyone uh, joining us here for episode number three. If you missed any of our previous podcasts, they're available at soundcloud.com slash gamble on podcast. You can also find us on iTunes or the Apple podcast app. And please leave us a rating and review there. It's a great place to give us honest feedback and let us know what you want to hear more of or less of. So write up a little review and try to be honest without being that person who screws up our perfect five star average. So honest, but not too honest. Uh, well, well said, Eric. Well said. Uh, you know, later in the show, we're going to be joined by Dan Bach of Roto Grinders. Uh, he's going to talk about daily fantasy sports, sports betting as the NFL season closes in. But uh, first, for us, we'll jump into the news of the week. All right. Uh, we're hitting three stories again this week, and we start with the July revenue report for New Jersey, which the DGE released on Tuesday. There were lots of headlines. Uh, Meadowlands was the leader among the state's sports books in barely half a month. Uh, AC casino revenue is up overall, thanks to the two new casinos, Hard Rock and Ocean, but down at each of the other seven casinos. Uh, Hard Rock made more than twice as much money as Ocean, and online gambling revenue set a new single-month record, nearly $26 million. Uh, lots of angles to explore here. Which of these stands out to you as the biggest story, John? Uh, well, so you got a good list there, Eric. Um, online gaming in Jersey uh, revenue uh, always seems to set records. So um, e even after five years in existence, so I'm not too surprised about that. Mm -hmm. uh, we knew Hard Rock would dominate against Ocean. That's the old Revel Resort. And while well, yep. it doesn't have that name anymore, it's got a little bit of a, of a ding to it uh, <laughs> from Atlantic City folks, I think. Uh, I should mention that Hard Rock has way more debt than uh, than uh, Revel slash Ocean does. So uh, mm. Hard Rock needs to do well. And they, they got a good month, but they, they need to keep it up. You know, when a, a casino opens in Atlantic City, 
and this happened to Trump Taj Mahal most famously in 1990, um, the first month kind of tells you if you don't hit the debt service number in in the novelty first month, you're dead. And that was what happened uh, to Trump Taj Mahal ultimately, Hmm. uh, hence the bankruptcies and all that. Uh, The Meadowlands numbers were really strong, but that's not shocking either. I mean, so close to Manhattan and all that. So I could see that. Uh, I was a little stumped at first on how much Monmouth Park and Borgata sagged in their second month. Now I'm figuring there were probably a ton of casual sports bettors who in June, they raced to either book to take an NFL futures bet, for example. And then uh, you get to July and those people have already made their bet and they're not going to make another one. So there's no major second wave for that in July. So I think those numbers uh, in retrospect are not as surprising as, uh, as they were at first. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of this news, uh, as as you highlighted there, it's not a lot of it is shocking. And I guess I would say with regard to uh, FanDuel Sportsbook at Meadowlands being number one, I'm not surprised that it was number one on a per day basis. The fact that it was number one for July, despite not opening until July 14th, that makes a statement. Um, you know, it's no surprise that proximity to New York is important, not just for the volume of bettors uh, who will come to Meadowlands, but also uh, the types of bettors. There are surely some affluent Manhattanites with money to bet heading into New Jersey to place their wagers. Um, And like you, I'm not surprised that Hard Rock is beating up on Ocean. Uh, That Ocean location at the very end of the boardwalk, it's a part of what doomed Revel. Basically, you don't go to Ocean by accident. You don't pop in there and grab a meal and play a few hands of blackjack on your way to somewhere else. Uh, you do maybe do that at Hard Rock, maybe even on your way to Ocean, and then and then maybe you never make it to Ocean. Uh, but uh, Ocean does have sports betting, uh, which Hard Rock does not have for the moment, uh, and Ocean had a good month on that front, uh, second in New Jersey behind, uh, behind Meadowlands with a little over a million bucks in revenue. And don't forget, Ocean has a Wahlburgers restaurant, too. <laughs> it hasn't opened yet, uh, but but when it right, does, sure. uh, right, it it's, uh, they, they have the under construction <laughs> sign there. And yeah, when it when it opens, maybe that's going to tip the balance of power in Ocean's favor. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Story number two, keeping it in Atlantic City. Uh, two new sports books opened up on Wednesday at Resorts and Golden Nugget. And you were live on the scene at both casinos. Uh, what did you observe? It seems as if... Uh, maybe the excitement over a new sports book opening is waning now that there are six of them in Atlantic City. Is that accurate? Uh, yeah, excitement is not my word of choice for those two openings, and I've been <laughs> to a lot of them. Uh, these are the seventh and eighth out of a possible 14 brick-and-mortar locations for sports betting. So, yeah, the the, uh, the shock and awe has worn off. Uh, virtually zero crowd at the hastily arranged Golden Nugget kickoff at 10 a.m., and uh, there's modest interest in resorts about an hour later. But, um, you know, uh, I thought it was interesting. Neither of these sites offer those old 1970s-style betting sheets that the Meadowlands and Monmouth Park had, where right. you, know, you have a CFL sheet and a WNBA sheet, and I think of all the trees being killed uh, in vain, uh, particularly because, you know, it's really outmoded in in 2018 because you see a, a player or a team or a bet on the sheet. And of course, it's hours old. So by the time you get to the window, it's changed already. So yeah. um, I don't know how much how useful they are. I uh, I asked a uh, resorts uh, uh, official, you know, if they were going to have them. And the guy sort of winced at me like, you've got to be kidding me. You know? so right. I, I'm going to guess uh, no. But uh, yeah, my favorite part, uh, and this is really a coincidence, but uh, of the two events was that there were first betters from New York State in each case, uh, one from Staten Island and one from Westchester County. And uh, it's really got to start the shorts of any New York sports betting advocate. But uh, New Jersey's loving it and, and uh, New York is not going to do anything uh, before next spring. So New Jersey definitely gets a full football season to enjoy. Right. <laughs> and I know you you mentioned in your story, both of the, the first betters up uh, put their money on the Giants. Uh, so as, as an Eagles fan, I, uh, I, I certainly hope they won't be cashing uh, those tickets in. 
<laughs> they were risking life and limb, but the crowds were small <laughs> enough they were okay. <laughs> right. I, I really liked uh, the the lead of your story. How we're we're done with celebrities placing the first bets at these grand openings. It's just average Joes now, uh, and and that's indicative of the lack of fanfare. Uh, but what what I'm really eager to see are the first month revenue reports for DraftKings Sportsbook, Resorts' mobile arm, uh, one of three mobile sports betting skins uh, in the works for Resorts. But uh, it seems to me the whole industry is waiting on that August number to come out in September and then tell us just what we've got with DraftKings Sportsbook. Yeah, I, th- I think the uh, the public awareness is not that high. You know, we found that with uh, online casino gaming and, and online poker, even to some extent, in 2013 when New Jersey legalized. You know, only Delaware and Nevada have online poker legal and and uh, Nevada only has online poker. So um, most people, even in New Jersey and, say, Delaware, are, are not necessarily aware, is this really legal? They know they, they've heard vaguely about some offshore books and illegalities <laughs> and, and federal raids and stings and that sort of thing. And so the average casual person is not really that aware. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how well DraftKings is able to uh, dig into that. You know, they have obviously their their uh, core customers, which is a good size base, especially in New right. Jersey. But they're looking to get, you know, I mean, obviously anyone can do it. That's an adult. So uh, I think it's going to take some time, though. Yeah. And maybe the the Charles Barkley commercials uh, spreading around will help. I mean, it, you know, it seems silly, but the fact is you put a real person in a commercial, uh, especially if it starts airing during sporting events uh, on TV. And I think that's going to make it register more in people's minds that, oh, this is a legit thing that I can do. Of course, uh, whether they're going to be running those commercials nationally when it's only when it only exists in New Jersey, you know, we'll, we'll see exactly how they handle that. But I do think the idea of putting Charles Barkley in those DK Sportsbook commercials um, is actually a pretty smart idea. Uh, I, I agree. He's he's very well known. And as you say, it gives that imprimatur of it must be legal. Uh, Barkley has all this money right. and. You know, he's not going to take a risk by, by uh, engaging in some kind of a, uh, officially illegal activity. So uh, I think that it'll work. But again, it's going to take time. Yep. OK, on to our third and final story, uh, venturing away from New Jersey and more of a national story. The Superbook brand is expanding, moving into other states. Uh, Superbook, for those unfamiliar, is the sports book at Westgate Las Vegas. It's an industry leader, well known for running the annual NFL Super Contest, which is sort of like the World Series of Poker main event of picking NFL games. It costs $1,500 to enter. You pick five games a week against the spread and the best record at the end of the season wins. Last year, 2,748 contestants entered. First place paid over $1.3 million to a better who went 58, 22, and 5 on the year. Uh, So they had 2,700 entrants last year. Jay Cornegay of the Sportsbook is predicting uh, 3,300 to 3,500 this year. Next year, it might be possible to enter at a Superbook in several other states besides Nevada. Uh, Any guess how that will impact the numbers specifically for that event and any other thoughts on the implications of the news that Superbook is going to expand into more states? Uh, yes. The, the first thing, I, I got to give uh, Westgate a lot of credit for doing plenty of spade work long before the U.S. Supreme Court opened the door for 50 states to have sports betting in their May decision. Uh, it was pretty clear by last December and arguably last summer that this was going to happen. So uh, they're going to be ready to claim market share right away and uh, and they'll do well. Uh, we're going to learn, I think, about every company in the gaming industry by seeing how nimble they're proving to be throughout 2018. Because like I said, the, the uh, cards were sort of set up for this. So uh, anybody who's asleep at the whales going to be exposed and the movers and shakers are going to benefit. Uh, the super contest, I, I think of Powerball and uh, Mega Millions lotteries. Yeah, there's there's mm-hmm. a few states and there's more states and more states. So you, you get bigger and bigger numbers each year. 
And uh, by the way, more and more, it, it becomes impossible to win. But uh, <laughs> but but if you did win, just think of how much you'd get. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll add this uh, this quote from Jay Cornegay, uh, which he gave to the Las Vegas Review Journal. Um, there will be a huge market swarming to these new legal sports books spreading across the country. I feel the expansion of sports gaming will follow the same path as the cell phone business. It's infant stages in this country now, but we'll see sports gaming options almost on every corner someday. It'll be like the UK where they're as common as barbershops, end of quote. Uh, it might take a, a little while to get there, but uh, someday maybe uh, sports books and uh, barbershops will even be one in the same. You know, you go in a little off the top, a little off my wallet, uh, one-stop <laughs> shopping. Uh, but, but you know, first Buffalo Wild Wings, and, and then we'll worry about the barbershops. Uh, yeah, you know, Americans are still a bit resistant to gambling in general. Um, like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I can ever picture uh, betting on elections being legal in the U.S. You know, right. as, as it is in the U.K. and Ireland, uh, I, that uh, that seems like a bridge too far. So obviously, some experimentation now with betting on the Oscars and things like that. But I think right. that will continue. But when it gets to, I mean, you know, politics, uh, whatever one thinks of it, it, it's real life and it's serious. And I think Americans don't want to would feel like it's a bit trivialized if you're if you're betting on who's going to win a Senate race or something. Right. <laughs> Especially uh, if if indeed it's at the point where you can just walk into any corner shop and place that bet. And again, you know, you're you're at Buffalo Wild Wings, you get your dry rub wings and you put uh, 50 bucks down on the next presidential election. Uh, yeah, it, it all seems it all seems a, a little much to expect uh, all these things to start happening here in America just yet. But who knows? Things have been moving fast so far this year. So. And that's even though they do bet on these things in Ireland and the UK, right. as I said. I mean, right. they, they bet on our elections, not just their own elections. They <laughs> right. bet on our, who's going to take control of the House. You can go to Ladbrokes or any of the uh, <laughs> uh, offsite, and then they have numbers. It's uh, you know they're fascinated with American politics and they're fascinated with gambling. So I guess the two go together. <laughs> yep, I guess so. All right, let's get to our trivia question of the week. Every week on the podcast, we ask a sports or gambling related trivia question, and at the end of the month, we'll award a twenty-five dollar Amazon gift card to one listener who has submitted a correct answer. All you have to do is tweet the correct answer to at US underscore bets and make sure to include the hashtag gamble on and you'll be entered into the prize drawing. If you get multiple questions right over the course of the month, you'll have your name entered multiple times in the drawing. Last week, we asked what NFL team that went on to win the Super Bowl had the longest preseason odds going into their championship season. And the correct answer was the 1999 St. Louis Rams, who were 300 to one when quarterback Trent Green got injured during the preseason and some arena league nobody named Kurt Warner took over. Uh, that, of course, now is Hall of Famer Kurt Warner. Uh, congrats to everyone who got that right. Your names are going into the proverbial hat for the prize drawing. Uh, so, John, what is this week's trivia question? Uh, well, first, I did not get that one right. I'll, uh, I'll ah, trivia, yeah, that's right. You said question. you said you had a you had a, a, an idea, a possible guess. Uh, I thought you it was the sixties. Yeah, I thought it was the sixty-nine Jets, obviously with John ah, Namath. Okay, but uh, right. the odds were in their infancy then too. But uh, <laughs> uh, well, you know, we've asked a horse racing question and a sports betting question on our first two uh, podcast episodes. So this time we're going to go in a little different direction with a casino gambling uh, question that doubles as a pop culture question. Uh, in the movie Swingers, when Mike and Trent go to Las Vegas and play blackjack, what is the minimum bet at the table at which Mike initially sits down? Interesting one there. Uh, if uh, if anyone out there thinks they know the answer to this one, my advice to you is to double down. Always double down, John. Good advice. <laughs> 
All right, it is time for this week's interview. We now welcome to the show a man of many podcasts and radio shows. He is Roto Grinders Director of Media, and he hosts the Daily Fantasy Fix. He hosts the Propcast. He hosts Grinders Live. He's on Sirius XM Fantasy Radio. Suffice to say, this man will not be awed by the moment by speaking into a microphone to appear on Gamble On. Uh, Dan Bach, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks a lot for having me, guys, and uh, congrats on the podcast. I've listened to the uh, first few episodes and really enjoying it. Thanks, Dan. We appreciate that. Um, well, the NFL preseason is underway, which means we're getting close to the first week of regular season DFS, uh, just three short weeks away as we record this podcast. And week one is a week that's very different from the weeks that follow in that salaries were posted more than the month before the games will be played. What's your feeling on this? Is week one any less fun or any more or less challenging to play because of the pricing inefficiencies that emerge? Um, I think you handle it a little bit differently because you clearly are going to know when week one rolls around, which situations are going to be mispriced because these things, these salaries come out so early. So therefore you usually have some spots which are a lot chalkier, a certain, you know, if a quarterback goes down or running back goes down, the backup's going to be really underpriced. So Week one, it's usually easier to build lineups than any other week because you're going to have some obvious value there. But in the world of daily fantasy, you know, you're playing against your peers and especially in these large field tournaments, you got to think outside of the box and you got to use, you know, the old game theory. Um, And I think that's where it becomes a little bit more challenging. Do you fade the 35 percent owned, you know, chalky backup running back? who's going to start in lieu of a lower owned guy just because you want to differentiate yourself from the field? Or are you a donkey by not playing the highly underpriced guy who's going to get 25 touches in the game? So those are the decisions that, you know, when we draw closer, you're, you're going to have to uh, decide, the, you know, how you want to make it. But you know, week one is always a ton of fun, though. You know, lots of money to be won. We actually usually see a good bit of overlay on the sites as well week one. So uh, it, it's always a lot of fun. I'm curious, what, would you ideally like to see a, a second set of contests posted? You know, maybe the, the week of the games, they put up a, a whole new set of contests with a different set of salaries, uh, or, uh, or is that kind of too much to juggle at once? Yeah, I don't think we need to do that. I mean, okay. especially with today's world where we've got single game fantasy. I mean, you've got uh, DraftKings with a million dollar first place prize for a Thursday night football game, the opener. And then <laughs> right. you got to imagine they're going to have big stuff for Sunday and Monday as well. So there's a lot of variations. You know, you've got the draft app, which is Snake Draft. So, uh, you know, maybe a few years ago would have made a little bit more sense when there wasn't as many players and, and options. But Right now, there's so many different game styles you can play. Right. Yeah, uh, Dan, uh, you know, like a lot of people, I'm really curious about whether is legal sports betting expansion in the U.S., how much is that going to cut into daily fantasy sports revenues? I, I mean, I guess I'm asking kind of are we talking about the same customer to any great extent? And, and I'm kind of asking about the impact in 2018 you know, with only a few states probably joining the sports betting parade and then and longer term, too. What's what's the overall impact? Yeah, you know, I think it remains to be seen, but I think obviously in the short term, it, it's not going to have much of effect at all. And if anything, we might actually see some some daily fantasy revenues here jump this year because, you know, FanDuel and DraftKings have a great reason to spend marketing dollars again, where the last couple of years they were fighting for survival. Were they going to merge? Were they not going to merge? There wasn't a whole lot of money being spent, but now they know that sportsbook is going to be a key component to their future business, 
you know, there's tangible benefits for marketing daily fantasy to really build up that name brand to top of mind awareness. So when more and more states open up, you know, people are going to recognize FanDuel and DraftKings again. So uh, I think actually in the short term, it's actually going to help daily fantasy. I think in the long term, there's a possibility that, you know, you could see some people in move from fantasy to betting. But I think a lot of it's going to depend on how some of these betting games are structured, because as we currently stand today, you know, the most popular bets out there are versus the spread, the totals. And most of those are are running, you know, minus 115 to minus, you know, 210. Maybe you get a, a minus 200 or a plus 200 dog. But in Daily Fantasy, the most popular contests we have today are let me spend $20 and potentially win a million or somebody is going to win a million dollars on DraftKings every single Sunday. And until sports betting figures out a way to allow people to spend a very little amount of money and win a lot and guarantee somebody to win a lot, I still think Daily Fantasy is going to really have a lot of success, you know, parallel to uh, to sports betting. Okay, yeah, to, to one of your points, because I'm in New Jersey, I have a DraftKings sports betting account, and I notice if you go in there, uh, you can toggle right over to the Daily Fantasy Sports and vice versa. So uh, interesting, given the uh, efforts to disassociate themselves from sports betting, which was that bad boy gambling stuff. Um, <laughs> now when you go to DraftKings website, you can just toggle right in between either one. And the money's even, even the money's pool is shared. You can, uh, you the same account can, you can do a Daily Fantasy Sports bet and then go right over and do a sports bet. Yeah, in, in DraftKings, that sports book, is connected to their daily fantasy site even more than people realize. I mean, I had a chance to demo it. And let's say, for example, like they are taking in all your data. Let's say I'm playing baseball tonight and I stack the Yankees. Well, the first bet that's going to come up on your app is going to be a bet, a suggested bet. You should take the over on the Yankees. Or do you want to take the overs on the Yankees? Basically going in and looking at what you did on daily fantasy and trying to find a comparable bet for you on the sports book. So they're really using a lot of the data they have and have previously um, from DraftKings and moving it over to the sports book, which I think is, is really, really fascinating. Big brother is watching as you build your yes. lineups. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, so here's something new. DraftKings is really shaking things up by introducing flash draft, which essentially combines the world of DFS with in-game sports betting. Uh, there's no guaranteed prize pool in this. So it seems like legally speaking, this is more akin to sports betting than to DFS. Do you expect this to be available in all states where DraftKings operates? And what's your initial response to DraftKings taking this leap? You know, first off, this is something that it looks like they're going, not going to launch week one. It looks like they're going to wait till midseason before okay. they uh, they roll this out. And And I actually think part of that reason, again, this is purely speculation on me, might be just waiting to get an okay from regulators that they can run this contest because it is very different than anything they've run. And, and obviously, DraftKings runs their games in a lot of regulated fantasy markets like New York, um, Massachusetts, Tennessee. I mean, there's there's a bunch of them out there. So I, th I think that may be part of it. But the other thing that you know, that you mentioned, which I don't know is right, where you said there are no guarantees. There actually are going to be guarantees on these. And, and what ah, this okay. flash draft is, is they're basically contests set up for uh, on a quarterly basis or a half basis. So you could play the second quarter, the third quarter, the fourth quarter, or maybe the second half. And unlike live betting, because I got a chance to demo the product the other day, 
Unlike live betting, where you literally have to be an active participant, um, you know, you're betting on every single play, you are still building your lineup for that particular quarter. And when that quarter starts, you're done. So it's not like you're constantly making guesses and wagers and, or bets, per se, or lineup building throughout the quarter. You're just doing it before the quarter. But the unique thing which they uh, have on their landing page for it, was that they're going to have a guaranteed prize amount, but then they're going to be having something um, called a bonus amount, which is basically going to allow people or allow them to take entries above and beyond the guaranteed amounts, and whatever extra amount they have, they're going to pay out via a bonus, which is a completely new concept we have not seen in Daily Fantasy. Everything has always been guaranteed, so... I think that's one of the more fascinating kind of innovative prize pool ideas uh, that we might see uh, over on DraftKings this year. Mm, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Dan, I've played in the same rotisserie league, baseball league, since uh, its inception 35 years ago. Uh, all 12 of us owners, we've got 15 years in at least. Uh, half of us date back to the 1980s. Yeah, we're not going anywhere until we head to the great auction in the sky, frankly. Uh, <laughs> but what are, what are the trends in season-long fantasy leagues for uh, baseball and football? Is there any one factor that has hit these leagues harder? Uh, I guess the bottom line of it is, do millennials play as, uh, as much season-long fantasy sports as their dads did? Yeah, you know, I I think season long will always have its role. And I think maybe, you know, the way it looks might change a little bit over time. But I mean, you nailed it. You know, people want to have a a go to to allow friends who you've known for your entire life where you may be living in different states and, you know, in, you, you know, you've got families, you've grown apart. At least you've got one thing to keep you together. And that social aspect of season long fantasy is something that I don't think is going to die anytime soon. The one thing that I do think we see with season-long fantasy, and we're already starting to see an evolution of it, is that people are get, do get a little bogged down with waivers, uh, with trades, with setting lineups. And you know the big trend that we've seen is these best ball drafts, um, and they have really sprouted up and gained a ton of popularity this year. And basically what this is, is it allows people to have their regular snake style season long draft, except you draft your team for the entire year. So you're drafting larger rosters and that instead of putting your, your players in, it just takes what would be your best lineup from each particular week. So therefore the management associated with it is minimal but you still have the enjoyment of the draft. You get the competitive nature uh, of playing each week. You've got something to follow. So I wouldn't be shocked to see something like that because I do think baseball in particular, we have seen season long, maybe fall off just a little bit because, let's face it, it's a day-to-day grind to keep up on all the different aspects that it takes to be a really successful season-long fantasy baseball player. And uh, I think that in today's society, uh, a large number of people are just don't have the time for such things. So I just think it's going to evolve a little bit over time. Uh, right. I mean, people have asked me, you know, how do, how, do, how do you do this? How do you have so many owners for so long? And, you know, the ultimate answer really is figuring out what your league ethos is, sort of. What 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 is it that uh, the owners collectively prefer to do? So we've loosened up a few rules uh, compared to the traditional 1980 style, but mm-hmm. we've kept some other ones to be difficult because this is what the league wants. And so... Uh, it, it's, there's more than one way to have a successful league, but the the, the, the number one thing to do is make sure uh, the majority of the owners are on board with how you're doing it. Exactly. Very well said. 
The the best ball concept is really interesting, Dan. Although it does uh, eliminate uh, one of one of the key elements of uh, season long fantasy, which is uh, the self loathing that em- emanates from having your best player on your bench and just uh, going off on Twitter or going off to your friends uh, about the fact that uh, some some random guy put up uh, forty fantasy points sitting on your bench. Uh, I guess. Uh, best ball el- eliminates the uh, the sort of pain and humiliation of that which i guess could be viewed as a good thing but i was gonna know. say that's i don't like those <laughs> moments i mean you're a glutton for punishment if you like that eric I, I guess so uh that's all, all gambling uh to some degree taps into uh one's desire to to punish oneself right uh, eric we, we still play a no bench league um the ah. loathing we have we have is that you cut that player because he's going to pitch in Colorado and he's <laughs> gone from your roster for good. And then he does well. And then you regret it. So right. even without wow. the, uh, no matter how you play it, there's going to be some self-loathing involved for sure. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, this has uh, been a, a real pleasure speaking to you, Dan. And before we let you go, uh, what's the easiest way for our listeners to find you and your many shows? Yeah, I mean, I do the majority of my stuff over at rotogrinders.com. Um, the month of August is a little bit slow for us on Sirius XM. We really get ramped up five days, actually six days a week, Monday through Friday, one to two come September. Uh, and then Sunday mornings, really excited to bring back our Sunday morning show on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. But uh, rotogrinders.com, you'll always find my pretty face or maybe, maybe nicer <laughs> voice, I should say, because it's definitely got a better voice than I do a face uh, over there. So that's the best place you can find me. Fantastic. Thanks again, Dan. All right. Anytime, fellas. Thanks, Dan. All right. Thanks again to Dan. Uh, It's time now for our final segment, The Bankroll. Every week we wrap up the podcast by placing a few sports bets. Uh, John and I started with a shared $10,000 fictional bankroll, and we came into last week's show down $500 with three bets on hold. We have three results to report. Uh, John's $100 bet on Ricky Fowler at 18 to 1 didn't come in, but Fowler did okay. I think we can maybe claim something resembling a moral victory there. You want to you take a moral victory, John? Uh, Ricky, Ricky, Ricky. He's <laughs> uh, ever the frustrating one. Decent, decent Thursday and Friday, like you said. Again. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, unfortunately, John, your foray into preseason NFL didn't pan out either. Uh, you bet $100 on the Eagles over the Steelers. Uh, we whiffed on that one. Uh, but thankfully, my preseason NFL bet was a winner. I had uh, Colts and Seahawks over 34 and a half points, and I crushed it as they combined to score 36. <laughs> so uh, so there we risked 220 and it returned 420, thus perfectly balancing out with our $200 losses. So we are still at minus 500. Uh, with 690 on hold uh, in uh, Long Shot World Series winner bets and a couple of NFL team win totals. So that means we have 8,810 imaginary dollars available to us. Uh, We'll make two more bets each this week, and I'm up first. Um, I really wanted to bet a weekend baseball game, but you can't find lines more than a day or two out. So instead... I'll follow two of your leads from last week, John, uh, betting preseason NFL and betting on the Cleveland Browns. At a price of minus 110, I'm betting $110 to win 100 on the Browns at home to cover the three-and-a-half-point spread against the Bills. Uh, I am a believer in the Browns being halfway decent this season and in the Bills being awful, uh, although that doesn't necessarily mean anything in the preseason, but... 
this is the Browns' preseason home opener. They want to please the fans. They have multiple quarterbacks looking to prove something. All the ingredients are there for a team to play well and play to win in a preseason game. Uh, of course, I'd prefer if the line was two and a half or even three, but it is what it is. I still like them to win by four or more. Uh, but I am following your rule of only betting $100 because it's preseason football. Uh, so there we go. Uh, $110 technically to win 100 all right, go Browns, go. Uh, so I'm trying a new theory this week. Uh, I look for the most acclaimed team with the worst loss in week one of the preseason. And for me, that's the Rams. Uh, very popular pick uh, for the Super Bowl this year. They lost 33-7 to to Baltimore. So uh, I have to imagine they had some interesting practices this week after that uh, fiasco. So I'm going to go with a bounce-back week for the Rams on Saturday. Uh, also going 110 to win 100 by covering a modest 2.5-point spread against Oakland. Uh, maybe I'll eventually I'll bet more if I ever win one of these, <laughs> or or maybe not. It's again preseason NFL. You don't want to you don't want to put uh, you don't want to go all in on preseason NFL. Let's put it that way. Um, all right, uh, my next bet here. It's time to break our streak of football bets and make a basketball bet. Uh, Westgate Las Vegas released their win totals last week, and in my article on usbets.com, analyzing some trends in both NBA and NFL win totals, I pointed out one NBA win total bet that I like a lot. So I'm putting our bankroll behind it here. The Boston Celtics are listed at 57 and a half wins at a price of minus 110. They won 55 games last year without Gordon Hayward. They were also missing Kyrie Irving down the stretch. Jason Tatum was just a rookie. This is a team that will improve, that is the clear favorite in the Eastern Conference, and that will be looking to make statements throughout the regular season. Um, you know, looking at a, an example of an opposite team, I think like the Warriors are a team with nothing to prove in the regular season. They might coast to 50-something wins just like they did last year, but the Celtics will, I think, be gunning for 60-plus wins, and they're good enough to get there. So I'm betting 330 on them finishing over 57 and a half wins to win 300. Uh, and then, of course, I will root for them to fail miserably in the playoffs because that's what p- people from Philly do. That's right. It's a regular season bet. So uh, yes. I'm going with the under on the San Antonio Spurs at 43 and a half. Uh, big change of chemistry there, obviously, without Kawhi Leonard. And uh, while Greg Popovich, the Hall of Fame coach, uh, he's been around so long that he was coaching when I covered the NBA. So uh, that's a long time ago. Uh, people are very afraid to pick against uh, the Spurs uh, because of Popovich. And, and they still have some talent. Uh, but I just I don't I think that they're. Uh, trending downward, and and uh, and I don't know how much longer Popovich is going to coach. And so I'm going to take on the King and go 330 to win 300 on the under 43.5 of the Spurs. Okay, it's a bold call, but you know the Spurs have to crap out sometime, and uh, the Western Conference is tough. Uh, not not every exactly. team in the West can have a winning record. So uh, so while I think the 43 and a half line there is about right, if I had to lean one way or another, I, I think I do like your underplay here. Good to hear. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of Gamble On. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Check out usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. John, you want to take us out? Uh, yes, remember that is at Bergen Brennan. Uh, if you go at John Brennan, you get that other guy. That, uh, <laughs> he's sort of in the news, and uh, we don't we don't dabble in such uh, such topics. So uh, no. uh, you can go to him if you want, but that's uh, up to you. But uh, until next time, everybody, uh, gamble on. Gamble on.